All right, we'll continue this morning through this Weary World series. And if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 13 this morning. John chapter 13. As hopefully you know, in just a couple days, we'll bring in a new year, 2021. And uh, obviously, we do look back. I know Jason made reference to that. Uh, but I, I hope we can rejoice in the hope of a new year. You know, uh, it's probably been a bit weary just because of the season we've been in and different things that have taken place. But my focus this morning, our hope this morning, is that we can be challenged by this message on a weary world needs love. A weary world needs love. And as we think of this and as we define this idea of being weary, it's that feeling of showing tiredness. It's a reluctance to see or to experience. You just kind of slow down. You become tired. You, things become tedious. In fact, uh, as we think of this passage this morning in John 13, I, I believe it was a season that Jesus was weary. Uh, it's, it's a day before the cross. In fact, John 13 through 17, these five chapters are all chapters that deal with Jesus the day before he, he, he's, he's, he's going to be crucified. So again, it would probably be a time where he was worried. And yet what we see from Jesus is a, love that dem or a life that demonstrated genuine love. A love that was full of compassion. A love that, that was a, a giving love that gives and gives and gives. And that's what this season we're coming through or in right now is all about. A love that gives. You know, we have a, a five-year-old grandson. His name's Isaiah. And he's one of those boys that's just got a, a, a big imagination. And uh, Heidi and him were talking. Heidi's my wife just a couple days ago, before Christmas, actually. And, hey, it's Christmas, you know, and he's excited about his gifts. And, 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 and Heidi said to Isaiah, he said, you know, Isaiah, really? It's about Jesus and about uh, his gift. And what are you going to give to Jesus? And Isaiah said, well, you know, I, I got him a present. And Heidi said, well, what did you get him? And he said, I got him a gift card. And, uh, you know, we laugh at that, but, you know, uh, giving ourselves is really giving a gift card. And when we think of this idea of love as we introduce this, we just think of the, the alphabet. And uh, just think of those first couple letters of the alphabet. And when you think of love, I, I think of love as, A, we accept one another. We accept each other. Uh, Christ sure accepted us. B, I believe that you're valuable. Believe in others. Believe that, that what Christ believes in us, that we're valuable. Here's one. See, I care that you hurt. And of course, who better than Jesus shows caring? D, I desire what is best for you. And that's what the Lord wants for us as well. E, I erase all offenses. I give you a clean slate. And that's what Jesus does for us when we confess our sins. F through Z, you'll have to come up with some others. But, but as we think of this, Jesus modeled for us an example of love, this is our introduction, to a weary world. An example of how even in weariness, we see his love. And there's four thoughts to this this morning. And the first one is this, a weary world needs planned love. I am so glad that God planned to love me. Because really, there's nothing about me, there's nothing about us 
that, that merits his loving me. There's nothing about us that deserves his loving me. In fact, there's nothing about me that would give him a desire to love. He simply loves us. In eternity past, Jesus Christ chose to love. I love this passage in Ephesians 1.4. It says this, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love. He chose us in love. Before eternity passed, before we were even a twinkle in our parents' eye, he loved us. He planned to love. Now, as we think of this idea of planned love, notice the example Jesus gives us. In John 13, hopefully you're there, it says this in verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. And having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. As I read this thought here this morning, I, I see that Jesus planned to love. He shows us that unconditional love. And you know, when you think of the Passover, you think this is God's chosen time for, for Jesus to die. It, it was all part of his, fan, he, his plan. He knew that the hour had come. And he's in this weary season. The cross is before him. And I love the picture Jesus gives us. Jump down to verse 5. Notice what it says. It says, after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. You know, Jesus Christ, at this time in his life, he pulls in close to his father and he gives and what he does, he, he gives us a picture of, of the greatest example of what a servant does. In this time period, you know, people had dirty feet. And their feet needed to be washed when they entered a place. And they were together. The servant wasn't there. So Jesus said, I'm going to wash some feet. And he goes and models that for us. And so often we, well, you know, that's just not for me. That's not in my job description. And that's just not something. I don't do feet. And, you know, I think sometimes we, we, we kind of compartmentalize, well, you know, the, you go to Walmart and you throw a few coins in the Salvation Army bucket. And that's a good thing. But, you know, it's, it's more than that. You know, I, I think you really model servanthood when you're treated like a servant. When no one recognizes what you're doing. I, you know, I have a system on putting dishes in the dishwasher. I really am a little weird like that. I, you know, I think you need to use them to, to maximum uh, the, the, your dishwasher. So I have to make sure everything's lined up. And, you know, we've had some company through the holidays. And, and the dishwasher's been running more. So I stack the dishwasher. And then even lately, I've been unloading the dishwasher. And I, I look for people to say, specifically my wife, hey, thanks for unloading the dishwasher. And it's like, she doesn't recognize it. So I have to... Let her know that, hey, did you notice that? That's not servanthood, guys. Sorry. And uh, hey, so often we, we like to be recognized for our servant, but that's not what Jesus models for us. You know, and it might be as simply as just taking care of some things with other people in your family, in your life, who, who, who you've offended. 
That, that can be part of uh, the process of serving. It might be uh, 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 writing a love note or just a note to someone who, who you're close to, expressing appreciation, uh, talk together, apologize. In, in fact, I, I encourage you to listen to people. You know, all this is, is part of, you know, what a, a follower of Christ, what planned love looks like, what an example of love looks like. We, we just challenged you as a church to go through the, the, the 12-day Christmas challenge. Maybe you missed a day or two. You know, go back and catch up or do them again. It's a great opportunity to model a love and as an example of what planned love looks looks like. Uh, there's another thought to this. Notice the extent of his weary love. It's just before the Passover. He, he loved his own, the last part of this verse says, he loved his own who were in the world and he loved them to the end. And what's great about that is there's no limits to his love. It, it was completion. He loved them to the end. He, he, his love was a love that was, was, was seen through. Those of us that are married, stay married. That's follow through. That's important. You know, and, it, and it's great for us to, to, to plan to love and, and have a love that's no limits. You know, this is another thing. We, we have those opportunities to get together, and maybe we haven't done this much this season because it's just been a tougher season, hasn't it? Uh, but if you get together, there's, there's always that one family member that maybe drives you crazy because they bring that bag of generic potato chips. They don't offer a lot to the meal. In fact, you, the generic baked potato chips, they're expired even. And it's like, man, Fred brought the same thing he did last year. He never really contributed. And he's the first one to the table, and then he's loading this to-go bag. You know, you got family, you might be that person, okay? But the love that's to be demonstrated is a love that is no limits. You know, you come together as a church. You come together in connect groups, plan to love those around us. How differently we act, how differently we react when we plan to love, when we model love. I love what Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8. Notice this on the screen. You know, you just see he loves me all the way through this passage. And he says this in verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else, in all creation, get this, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He loves me. He loves you. You know, through that we see he loves me, he loves me, he loves me. You know, if you're with Quentin McCoy for any extended period of time, typically he'll say a phrase like, you know, Jesus loves you. And he does. He, 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 his love knows no limits. He gives us an example of what planned love looks like. Not only that, we see uh, intelligent love. 
That's our second thought this morning. Intelligent love. You know, we sometimes use that phrase, love is blind. And uh, I know in 1984, I got married. I got married December 29th, just a couple days from now. And uh, I, I finished school in 1984, and I, I took a job in Michigan. I know, why, why would anybody go to Michigan to work? But that's where I went. That's where God led me. It was a mission field. So I go to, to, to Michigan, and I'm teaching school for, for a, a semester before my wife finishes her school, and then we get married in December. And, and, and I remember I, we got married December 29th, and school started in January. And, uh, you know, I got to know a lot of friends and different ones through the community there that we were teaching in. And I brought her with me to church for the first time, and we're married. And there's one lady, Ruth Ann, she comes up and she goes, hey, she's pretty. And I said, well, what'd you expect? <laughs> you know, and what she was saying, she goes, man, her love is blind. You know, love's not blind. Love that Jesus shows is a love that's intelligent. He, he knew his hour had come, and he's weary, yet he loves anyways. And, and, and the first thing I want you to notice about this intelligent love that Jesus models for is that, again, it's not blind, but he knew the price of who he was dying for. He knew the price, and there's four words you can fill in there if you'd like. You know, we think of this idea, he had no place to lay his head. That's loneliness. That's a price, friends. The cross. You know, no amount of suffering will we ever face like Jesus faced on the cross. That's a price. Rejection. You know, his close friends at the cross, you know, uh, the disciples, they checked out. And then there's separation from his father on the cross where he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus knew the price, yet he still followed through on his part. And you know, sometimes, well, like, if you only knew where I worked, if you only knew what I put up with, you know, Jesus knows, and he still powers through. Power through. He gives us the strength to power through. He, he models intelligent love for us, and he, know, he knew the price. And then he knew the people. He knew the people were still in, 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 in John 13. Notice verse 11. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. He, he knew he was dying for unkind, unlovely, unappreciative People. He, he knew people would deny him for his good friend Peter, as you notice in verse 36 of this passage. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. And Peter said, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I'll lay down my life for you. And Jesus said, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. So again, he knew the price. He, he knew the people. Notice one more thought here in verse 32. I feel like we need to get to this. A time is coming, in fact has come, when you will be scattered each to your own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. 
You know, and Jesus, what a picture for us. He pulls in close to his heavenly father, and then he gives out. So we see planned love. We see intelligent love. And then we see, thirdly, selfless love. Selfless love. He knew his hour had come. And when we think of this idea of selfless love, we see that love in the timing of the whole thing. Jesus knew what was before him. He knew that God had revealed the plan, yet his, his weary heart never gave up. We see hope from Jesus because, again, he, he pulls in close to the Father. If you just go back a chapter, notice verse 27 of chapter 12. Because you can hear his heart here. He says, my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. And then the Lord says, no, it was this very reason I came to this hour. And yet Jesus knew this purpose that was before him. And he could say this, Father, bring yourself glory. Father, glorify your name. We, we see that in verse, verse 28. So we see this timing here. He, he knew what was about before him. He knew the rejection that he was facing, and yet despite all these odds, everything that was against him, he ministered. During this greatest time of need, he ministered. And boy, if we could just grasp that picture, because there's needs, there's, there's seasons we go through, and there's times where, where we do get weary, and, and I think the tendency for all is, well, we just kind of cocoon and pull away close to ourselves, and, and yet Jesus doesn't do that. He pulls in close to the Father, and he serves. And he gets out there and models for us washing feet. Uh, a love that the weary world needs. So there's timing in this, and then there's also tenderness. And I love this part of the Lord that, that we see here. There, there's tenderness. Because if you look at verse 33 of chapter 13, it says this. He says, my children, I will be with you a little longer you will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you where I'm going, you cannot come. But that first little phrase there, my children. Did you hear the tenderness there? Hey, my children. You know, and that's the great thing about jumping up in the lap of the Lord Jesus. You know, he's tender. He cares. He, he, he's a, a haven for us. There, there, there's a closeness. He, he, he's that comforter for us. And again... It's hard at times to accept this, but God wants us to really model outward love during these times. And, and this will give us hope when we go through this. I love this story. Stay with me on this. There was this little boy. He was quiet and shy, and he moved into a new neighborhood. And one day he came home from school and he said, Mom, I want to take my classmates Christmas presents this year. I want my class to know that I love them. His mom's heart sank as she thought, I wish he wouldn't do that. Every afternoon, she had watched the children come home from school, laughing, hanging out with each other, all except her little boy, Stevie. He always walked behind the rest of the kids. But she decided she'd go along with Stevie's plans, and when the day came for him to deliver the presents, he was so excited. When he left for school that day, he ran out the door, and his mother thought, 
this is going to be a long day for her little guy, Stevie. So she thought, I'll bake him some cookies. And when he gets home from school, I'll have cookies and milk waiting for him because he's not going to get any presents from his classmates. So that afternoon, she had the warm cookies and milk ready, and she went over to the window, scratched a little of frost off the glass, and she looked out. Sure enough, here came the gang of children laughing, having fun, and there was Stevie. Although still behind the other children there, Stevie was walking faster than usual. And of course, the mom's love was, bless his little heart. He's about to cry. His, his arms are empty. Stevie came running into the house. And his mom said, Stevie, I have some cookies and milk for you. But Stevie... His face was filled with joy. He marched right by her, and all he could say, not a one, not a single one. I didn't forget a single one. All of my class knows that I love them. And see, that's such a great picture of, of, of turning ourselves outwards. And of course, Jesus modeled it better than anybody. But, you know, what, a, what an example. And, and, and I'll tell you, there's a couple characters in that story. Of course, Stevie and then his mom. You know, us moms, well, you moms, I'm not, a, I guess I kind of have some of that mom in me because I don't like my kids. You know, I'm, yeah, I do the dishes. That's a good thing. I have clean fingernails. That's a great thing about doing dishes. You have clean fingernails. That's, anyway, here's the thing. You know, don't be afraid to let God work around what our kids and grandkids are going through. Because it's a great opportunity for them and for us to help them see that God is doing a great work. 1 John 4, verse 10, before we move to the last point, says this. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That's love. And then, enduring love. Enduring love. You know, the life of Christ, physically, as his human side, started at Christmas. And yet, he models for us a love that had no limits. A love that endures. And, and I think we can experience this love when we let the scriptures become real to us. And the scriptures give us great hope. The scriptures give us great comfort to hold on to. I know Jason referred to Lamentations. Those, those verses we can hold on to. And, and, and I'll tell you, let me just give you three sections of scripture I think maybe will encourage us this morning as we think of how during enduring love we can let the scriptures speak to us. 1 Corinthians 15, notice this. Thanks be to God. He gives the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And then listen to these other two passages, Colossians 3. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly love. And then he goes and says, okay, these are the clothing you need to put on. You know, put on these, these, I remember as a little kid, we used to have Sunday clothes, you know, Sunday's best. You know, remember those days, those little bow ties, and you, you had an iron shirt on, and you, you know, uh, but this is Sunday's best for us. Clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, with humility, gentleness, 
and patience. And then it goes on to say, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And then one more, Paul's words toward the end of his earthly life, he could say this, I fought a good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but to all those who long for his appearing. You see those promises? You see how the scriptures just give us hope, just give us a, a way to live and a way to just push through the weariness? This is enduring love through the scriptures. And then, of course, through salvation through salvation. Of course, this is our time when we put our faith and love in, in Jesus Christ. When we, ABC again, when we admit we're sinners, when we realize that we've sinned, for, the, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that's A. B, we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in him and we'll be saved, Acts tells us. And, and, and when we believe in him, we receive him. We, we accept his forgiveness in our lives. We, we turn from our, our sin and turn to him. And then it involves calling on him. Call on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Do you remember a time where you admitted your sin? Where you, where you recognized that you were in need of a savior and you confessed that sin and you called on him and you trusted him as your Lord and savior. You need that time. And, and again, it gives us hope to endure. And here's the application. A weary world needs planned love. A weary world needs intelligent love. A, a weary world needs selfless love. And a weary world needs enduring love. So we're about to launch into a, another year. And, and, and boy, if we could just grasp this model as we conclude this series of, of, of how we can truly have hope and rejoice to a a weary world that needs this good news. One passage to end with. A new commandment, and this you should be able to fill in. It's pretty easy. A new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Will you pray with me? Lord, it's good to know that you truly love us. And again, Lord, we've been reminded that, that Jesus models for us a love that never stops, a love that's an enduring love, that, that, that he knows what he's getting into and he loves anyways. So I pray, Lord, as we enter this new season, we'll probably reflect and, and, and have maybe some resolutions. But Lord, I pray more than ever, anything, we will pull in close to you, Lord. Because when we pull in close to you, we can, we can model what it looks like to love like Jesus loved. So I pray, Lord, as we have this opportunity to reflect, I trust, on this, this passage in John 13 and these other verses that maybe have spoken to us, that they would just be, be verses that we could glean truth from and, and become more like you as we get to enjoy 2021. In Jesus' name, amen.